The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. Well, grace and peace to you this morning. Thank you, Larry, for reading that passage, and thank you for stepping in for me last week. I know he did a wonderful job. If you still have your Bible open, you might be turning to Psalm 51, and we'll be looking at that here in just a moment. Um, glad that you're here this morning. What a great way to start off the new year by worshiping God and focusing our attention on Him, and I, I hope that you will stay afterwards for the meal so we can fellowship together. Well, each year at this time, our culture celebrates a new year. And this holiday is a little bit different than others. It's not a celebration of the past as uh, the 4th of July is. It's not a time of giving and receiving um, as Christmas is. It's not a holiday that's focused on families gathering together to remember all the ways that they've been blessed like we do at Thanksgiving. So what is New Year's all about? Well, it's about new beginnings and new opportunities. And so whatever happened in the past year, we can leave it behind and we can start anew. And so the new year offers us a promise of a new start. Uh, Many people even plan their menu uh, for New Year's Day based off these hopes of moving forward and, and leaving the past behind and having good luck in the new year. You know, my family used to always eat those black-eyed peas and uh, hog jowl. Um, And, of course, that's a southern tradition, but it's also a a superstitious practice that's meant to bring people good luck and good fortune in a new year. And you might be surprised to know that that's not unique to the South. Uh, People all around the globe do this. Uh, Of course, the menu changes depending on where you're at in the world. In Spain, people eat 12 grapes at midnight. And if one of those grapes is sour, then that means whatever order of the month that is, you're going to have a bad month. You know, if it's a third grape, then it's March or whatever. Uh, In Brazil, the first meal of the new year is lentil soup or lentils and rice. And there are also certain foods that you're not supposed to eat. It's considered bad luck to eat lobster on New Year's Day. So I hope no one brought lobster today. But uh, uh, because the reason is because they move backwards. And New Year's Day is about moving forwards. Uh, some people believe it's bad luck to eat any type of bird because your good fortunes might fly away, you know. And uh, these are all just sort of silly superstitions, but they do represent a meaningful idea that we're drawn toward. And we all like this idea of a fresh start. New beginnings and fresh starts are not just some cultural phenomenon. Uh, They are more than wishful thinking. This concept that we desperately long for is actually rooted in Scripture. New beginnings are not simply a byproduct of superstition. They are a reality that's grounded in the Bible. And so one of the best examples of this is found in 2 Corinthians 5.17, that passage that Larry read for us this morning, where Paul writes, 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And Paul is describing what happens when someone becomes a Christian. Because becoming a Christian is a new beginning. It's a new start. It is an opportunity to put the past behind you and to move on to something that is much, much better. Of course, the new beginnings that we experience in Christ are are much different than what the world considers as new beginnings. When Paul writes about a new creation, he has several things in mind. In Christ, we experience the forgiveness of sins. We don't just move beyond our past mistakes. They are forgiven and forgotten by God. And so we truly start with a clean slate. We come up out of the waters of baptism white as snow. And we are literally a new person. Christ now lives in us. We are also a new creation because we have the promise of resurrection. And so death no longer has its grip on us. We're set free from the slavery of death. And this truly is a new beginning because now we have a future. Without the hope of resurrection, death and destruction is our end. Whatever new beginnings a person has outside of Christ, it's always going to end the same because death is final. There is no hope beyond the grave. But for the person in Christ, resurrection is just the beginning. New creation stretches far beyond resurrection. We have the promise of a new heavens and new earth. We're told in Scripture that God is redeeming all things, that our future is bright. It is a literal paradise in the presence of God. There will be reunions. There will be feasting. There will be singing and much, much more. It will be a new beginning like we've never known before. Paul's new creation reminds us of what God is doing when we become a Christian. And it looks forward to what God will complete when Jesus returns. But what about this time in between? Many of us have experienced the blessing of becoming a Christian. Uh, We know what it feels like to, to, to come up out of those waters of baptism a brand new person. We understand the joy of salvation, but we also know what it feels like to do wrong when we know that we should be doing right. Some of us know what it feels like to maybe fall completely off the path because we've all messed up. We've all sinned. We all need forgiveness. Um, So is there any hope for those of us who are Christians? Is it possible for us to have a new beginning? We find our answer in a psalm that David penned long ago. And if you study the life of David, then you know that his was a life of ups and downs. He was a man after God's own heart. He was this great warrior who defeated Goliath. He was king of Israel, God's anointed but he was also a flawed human being who murdered, committed adultery, 
and took what was not his. And so David wrote Psalm 51 after his sin with Bathsheba. And this was a low point in his life. Uh, You could say that he messed up big time. And he needed to make it right. So he did the only thing that he could do. He he turned to God because he understood that, that God alone is able to give forgiveness. And God alone is able to grant a fresh start. And so this morning, I want you to listen to the words of David as he cries out for this new beginning in his life. Psalm 51, beginning in verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Now here is a psalm that everyone should know. Because it's a psalm that we all need at some point in our life. It is a psalm about the pain of failure and the hope of something new. And David does not sugarcoat how sin disrupts a person's life. He writes, for I know my transgressions, I know my sins, and they are ever before me. And so when we do something really stupid, it's impossible to to get our mind off of it. You know, when we mess up big time, we're often riddled with guilt because that, that sin enslaves us. It's ever before us. We can't get away from it. That's what David is describing here. Um, And without forgiveness, new beginnings are impossible. You will continue to carry that guilt with you for the rest of your life. And this is one reason why confession is so important. We need to admit our faults and shortcomings. We need to get those off our chest so that we can be forgiven and we can move on to something new. And before David ever speaks of forgiveness... Before he even talks about it, he acknowledges his sin. He admits that he messed up. A person cannot be forgiven if they do not understand what it is they did wrong. Or if they're unwilling to even acknowledge it. David confesses his sin knowing that God is merciful and that he is gracious. And after David confesses his sins, he then pleads with God to forgive him. 
And David is a poet. He wrote many of the Psalms. And so he uses his poetic chops to speak of the weight of sin and, and also the amazing gift of forgiveness. And he's able to use multiple images to capture the power of what God is able to do in his life. And so he writes things like, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. And a few lines later, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. And then eventually he gets to the heart of his requests. And we learn what he really wants. He asks God to create a clean heart in him. This is the new beginning that he wants. He recognizes that his heart is not pure. That, that his heart has been stained by sin. And he wants God to take his heart and to purify it so that it is once again white as snow. And he knows that this is something that only God can do. And the language that David uses here is quite interesting. It's the language of creation. And so he asks God to create something new in him. Just as it is impossible for human beings to create living things as God did in Genesis 1 and 2, it's impossible for human beings to create a clean heart. No matter how hard we try, we cannot purify our own heart. And so what God does is amazing. And David acknowledges the magnificence of what God can do. But David does not stop with a clean heart. He next asks God to, to not cast him away from his presence. And so he does not want God's Holy Spirit to be taken from him. And here we learn that life is more than just a clean heart. Life is about dwelling in the presence of God. Because God is the source of all life. He is the source of all blessing. And to be cast away from God is to be cut off from life. To live without God is to live a life without meaning or purpose. It is to live without any hope. And this is just as bad as going around with an impure heart. It robs a person of their reason to live. And David does not want this. He wants God to always be near. He wants the comfort of his Holy Spirit. He understands that life without God is not a life that's worth living. And finally, David wants to once again experience the joy of salvation. After years of being a Christian, it's sometimes difficult to remember back to what it felt like that day when it all began. And it's possible for Christians to become calloused. It's possible for us to become sort of apathetic, to get in a routine and it's just something that we do and it doesn't really mean anything. When Jesus wrote to the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, he accused them of forgetting their first love. When we become a Christian, there is excitement. There's passion. But often those things slowly fade over time. We're not as energetic as we once were. We forget the excitement and joy that went along with our salvation. 
And this is what David desperately wants back. He wants his new beginning to start with the joy that he once knew earlier in his life. The celebration of a new year appeals to us because deep down, we all want a new beginning. We know that we can do better if given another chance. All of us have made mistakes and we want a clean slate. Like David long ago, we want a clean heart. We want to know that God is with us and that he's not going to leave us. And we want to once again experience the joy of salvation. The good news is that we don't have to wait for a new year to roll around to get all of these blessings. God is willing to give them to us now. He's willing to give them to us any day of the year. And it doesn't matter where you are on your spiritual journey. God is always willing to give you a fresh start. And so if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never put him on in baptism, then you can have a brand new life this morning with Jesus at the center. If you've been a Christian for 30 years, but maybe you recognize that you know, you've, you've strayed from that path and you want to recommit your life to Christ, then God can give you a clean heart just as he gave David a clean heart long ago. God can do that. He can make all things new. He is a merciful God who is willing to forgive those who turn to him. But the question that we all need to answer this morning is, what are you going to do with the new beginning? What are you going to do with a new life? What are you going to do with a new heart? What are you going to do with a new year? How is it going to be different? Because God can make us new. But if we don't change our life, if we don't start down a new path, if we don't change our ways, it doesn't matter. God can give us more time. He can give us more opportunities. But if we just waste them and do nothing with them, then it's all for nothing. We are all getting something new this morning. Some of you may want a new life. Some of you may want a second chance. Some of you may want a new opportunity. All of us have been given a new year. And these are all blessings from God. But we must decide what we will do with the good things that God has given us. Where will you be in a month? Where will you be in six months? Where will you be this time next year? God has given us so much, but he expects us to use these things he has given us to glorify him. He expects us to move forward in our Christian walk. He expects us to grow. He expects us to do something. And so next year, when you look back on 2017, what will you be able to say you have done? In what ways do you expect to grow? It all begins today. And so make up your mind this morning to make a difference with the new beginning that God has given you. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you for this day. We thank you for this new year. We thank you for all the things that you have given us. 
we recognize your power that you can create anything. You've created this earth. You've created everything we see. You've created life. And you can create new hearts within us. We thank you for this. Um, we thank you for the um, ability to receive forgiveness from you. We thank you for your grace and mercy. Father, we ask you to be with us as we strive to make a difference in our world, to make a difference in our families, in our community, in this church, and to do better this year. Help us to be lights. Help us to grow in the image of your Son so that we may bring others to Christ. We're thankful for his sacrifice and everything he's done for us. We pray this in his name. Amen.